0: On the banks of River Yamuna, another school of art flourished as a contemporary to the Gandharan school of art. It was the Mathura school of art. Mathura, a cosmopolitan of ancient religions and pretty much 85 miles from the south of Delhi. I mean, it's just a car ride away. Hello and welcome. This is Indian Art History by Mash Podcast and I am your host, Ayushi. An average Indian with a mediocre interest in religion would be able to tell that Mathura is a melting pot of rituals, temples, and the accompanying paraphernalia of religion. In fact, it has been a religious center since 2nd BCE, which means it was also an active trade and commerce hub. The routes to important cities connected via Mathura. Travel at that time was an extremely slow and a very tiring process and Mathura was a place where the travellers would rest for a few days before continuing on their journeys. While they would also make the suggestive prayers for their well-being at the temples, shrines, monasteries and stupas at Mathura. So, Mathura served as a metropolitan centre where Jainism, Buddhism and Hinduism were practised. This conglomerate left behind stone sculptures and architectural ruins. Now, the next time you visit Mathura, make sure to go to the museum which holds artefacts right from the early history. Around the time the Kushans came to power, Mathura was a bustling centre where people of lay and monastic order lived alongside. This kind of politics must have enabled economic growth even for the lay community. I say this because Mathura saw a great number of structures and sculptures that were not commissioned by the royalty but by the lay women, men as well as the monks and nuns. Sometimes they collaborated and they donated for public sculptures collectively. This was the time when both Jainism and Buddhism truly entered the public realm. While Buddhist structures celebrated the Buddha and the monks, the Jain art in Mathura celebrated women. In most of the donations made by the wealthy, they would inscribe their names as patrons. They would also inscribe why they are installing the religious art. And the answer would mostly be in the form of prayers and what they seek. However, inscriptions of the names of the artists are mostly missing from this area. So unfortunately, for most of the Mathura art, we are left with a lot of information about the rich patrons who commissioned the artworks. But equally, we have little to no information about artists who worked hard and put in their labor to make the beautifully detailed sculptures. However, inscriptions of the names of the artists are mostly missing. So unfortunately for Mathura Art, we are left with immense information about the rich patrons who commissioned lavish art but not with enough information about the artists who worked hard and put in their immense labour to make the beautifully detailed sculptures and architecture. Several Buddha sculptures have been installed by women. Amoha Asi, a woman from Mathura, set up the Katra Buddha in her own Bihar for the peace and well-being of her family members. The seated Buddha in the Katra mound of Mathura is much different from the Gandharan or Greek Buddha. Here they used the red sandstone. In fact, most of the sculptures found in this region were made using red sandstone as you know red sandstone is quite abundant here. The figure of Buddha in Katra sits on a the Lion Throne. The Buddha here is dressed in what appears to be a dhoti in the lower half of the body and a transparent muslin fabric that covers only one shoulder of his. His body is stiff, buff and reminds me of a very manly man rather than being the delicate poised stance of the Gandharan Buddha. His posture is also different here. He sits upright like a yogi. He is alert while one of his hands gestures Abhay Mudra. He wears his hair in a bun on the top of his head. He is attended by celestial beings and two sevaks. His posture is supported by a large halo or simply the back of the throne popular Buddhist nun, Buddha Mitra, was able to extend the patronage by building many sculptures of Buddha in many cities. In some rare events, we find joint donations for art. In a particular case, the Buddha from Ahichatra was made by the donations raised through crowdfunding by Bhikshu Virana. The donors here were his mother, his father, his children, monks, and many unnamed local populations. In a particular case, the Buddha from Ahichatra was made by the donations raised through crowdfunding by Bhikshu Virana. The donors here were his mother, his father, his children, monks, and the many unnamed people of the local populations. We also find vivacious standing figures of Yakshis. The Bodhisattva Maitreya sculpture, which is now at the National Museum, basically is a continuation from the image of the Yaksha cult. A number of details were added to characterize the Yaksha figure as Buddha. For example, the sun vala halo, Uh, Abhaya mudra of benediction, water flask which symbolized Buddha of the future and, of course, his unforgettable curly hair. This piece was installed for Sarvesam Sukharta, which means benefit and happiness of all beings. This intention to build sculptures was very popular. People started installing the images of gods in their houses for the well-being, happiness and the guiding hand of the householders. Now coming to the Jain images which were exclusively donated by Jain women of business class and of course nuns. And it seems like the Jain women of business class were exclusively in touch with the nuns. And there are instances instances and inscriptions and written notes where you get to know that uh, these wealthy women were actually consulting and taking counsel of very many Jain nuns. Even after the end of the Kushan era, Mathura continued to influence the art practices of the Gupta period, from where it started evolving. The Guptas were actually contemporaries to the Kushans in 320 AD, marking a long presence in the central north of India. We were talking about the evolution of art from Mathura. you remember the very manly alert Buddha from Mathura? Well, into the future, the Guptas built the standing Buddha out of red sandstone in Mathura. The standing Buddha from Mathura had attained a mood of calmness and inner tranquility. Slightly more realistic here, Buddha's Sangati, which is the monastic robe, clings ever so gently to his body, making all the crevices of his body visible. A good way to recognize the standing Buddha of Mathura is to look at the curvilinear folds of his Sangati and also to visit the National Museum of Delhi, of course. This Buddha urges my attention inwards. Another amazing feature of this simplistic figure is the mighty halo behind Buddha's head. This is not just a halo, it is a display of beauty, vigor and complexity emerging from the meditative mind of Buddha. Now, This halo has floral motifs carved out in concentric circles striking a close resemblance to a mandala. In Sarnath, this Mathuran style continued to evolve. There is a special range of wet Buddhas that were excavated from Sarnath. Now, the concept of wet Buddhas is that these Buddhas sort of appear as if they've been immersed in water. All this while, several sculptures keep on getting excavated even today, and most of them belong to the Brahmanical Hindu religion. Most of them belong to the Vaishnavite cult as many sculptures are of Vishnu from that time. There is so much left to explore. There are so many lenses and angles that we might be missing here. You are listening to Indian Art History by MASH Podcast. This is your host Ayushi. Thank you so much for listening. And do write to us if you think that I went wrong somewhere with reasoning I am always up for healthy conversation about history thank you so much for listening This is Indian Art History by MASH Podcast.